Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode six of The Football Story. Today, we are talking all things World Cup. We are taking on the task of picking the best World Cup of the 21st century. Nick, how are you today? Are you excited to talk about the World Cup? Yeah, it should be good to uh, delve deeper into the five World Cups, I believe, of this 21st century. So, yeah, looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah, there have been five. Michael, how are you today? Is it, is it the best uh, football competition in the world? 100%. Uh, there's nothing like it. I'm sure you know that, being to, being to a World Cup now. So, um, you know what it's like. Yeah, so, look, we'll kind of start in, at 2002 and, and make our way through. Look, for me personally, I mean, I was six um, in 2002 and had no real interest in football. So I have no actual memories of it um, when it was on. I obviously have gone back and kind of looked at, looked at it from, from the past. Nick, do you have any memories of, of 2002? No, I was even younger than you. I just turned four. So definitely no memories. But like, as you said, growing up now, we've looked back at it. Um, probably not the most amazing tournament by all reports, but yeah, there's there's definitely a few talking points. What, what, like Michael, obviously you were same age as Nick, and probably don't have any memories either. What, looking back on it, or, or kind of you know from what has kind of remained in the, in the memory of football fans, what what sticks out to you about the tournament? Weirdly enough, Ronaldo's haircut, um, hiding his injury. Uh, pre-tournament he got that so all the media was about uh, Ronaldo is injured going into the tournament and he's not going to have a good tournament this and that and then he gets that haircut and all of a sudden they're talking about that and then he I think he scores what eight goals in the World Cup um, yeah, and scores two, eight. yeah and um, he had an unbelievable tournament so that took the shine off the injury that's for sure and um, yeah good on him for scoring eight goals in the tournament and two in the final. Yeah, so, that's right. Set up both by Rivaldo, I'm pretty sure, as well. Set up by, yeah, by Rivaldo, who, yeah. who I think he scored five as well. So, I mean, how, like, how good was the Brazil team, that tournament? You've got the three R's up front, who we've mentioned, uh, um, including Ronaldinho, uh, Cafu, Roberto Carlos. I mean, just endless talent, really. Yeah, Possibly, R's all over the yeah. Place, really. Possibly the best Brazil team of all time. Possibly. That's a, yeah, I don't know. I think, I think most Brazilians reckon their 1958 team was, was the best. But I think what you can say about the 2002 World Cup is that the best team clearly won. Um, and that doesn't, you know. And they played good football as well. Yeah. And I, like not every tournament you can say the best team won. But I think, you know, quite clearly probably the, the two best teams got to the final. I mean, Germany... Um, they beat Saudi, Saudi Arabia 8-0 in, in the group stage. So, you know, clearly they had talent. Oliver Kahn won one player of the tournament. Um, but there were some pretty big upsets, actually, if you, if you go back to the group stage. Yeah, for sure. And even um, Ireland making the round of 16 was pretty impressive without Roy Kane. Yeah, well, I think one of the things about the 2002 World Cup is that there is quite a bit of controversy around it or quite a few incidents. Uh, you touched on Roy Keane. Basically, yeah, it was sent home from the World Cup, Ireland's best player, um, after a spat with, with Mick McCarthy. Uh, I mean, that, that's a pretty important event. The other, the other kind of thing that we need to talk about, obviously, is, is the, the run that South Korea made through to the, uh, what was it, the semi-finals? Yeah, that's certainly something that uh, sticks out. I'd say it's probably the biggest talking point and the biggest controversy from that World Cup. Obviously, the refereeing against Italy, I believe it was. Well, there was controversial refereeing against Italy and then against Spain yeah. until they were finally beaten by, by Germany in the semis. Look... I've 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 read a bit about it, watched a bit about it. No one's ever going to really know the true story. At one level, it was cool to see a, a country like South Korea making the semis, but the fact that it is remembered for being clouded in controversy, I mean, that kind of puts a bit of a indictment on the tournament as yeah, a whole. Yeah, it takes a shine right off the 2002 World Cup, and that's that for me is probably going to be the reason it ranks number five out of five in. Um, the 21st century. 
Yeah, I mean, there were obviously, you know, some great games in there. I think probably my the game that sticks out for me is the England-Brazil game. I think that was probably close to England's best best ever side. Michael Owen um, at the absolute peak of his powers. But yeah, after he won the Ballon d'Or, I believe. Yeah, uh, but that Ronald Dinho free kick from 40 yards out near the touchline um, is one of the most iconic goals. See, interestingly, like, um, I was reading this during the week, that the best young player of the tournament was Landon Donovan. Yeah, crazy to think that the American, you know, we, we talked about all the, all the class in that tournament and to think that Landon Donovan won it, it's pretty, pretty amazing achievement by him. Yeah, I mean, they made the quarterfinals. So, you know, there were, there were, some, there were some upsets. Turkey made the semifinals. So, look, I, I think it's too simplistic to say that, you know, it was a World Cup that will only be remembered for the, for the controversy. I think there were some, you know, some great performances. Obviously, we've touched on Ronaldo. And, and I think it is worth mentioning as well. This is a Ronaldo who, who had been out of the game for close to two years. So he'd picked up his, his what was thought to be a career-ending injury. And to come back and put on a performance like that on the back of 1998 and that controversy, I think that has to go down as one of the iconic sort of comeback performances of all time. Yeah, certainly it has to. Also, another team that made a, an amazing run was Senegal, who I believe topped their group that had France in it, and they made the quarterfinals too. So, yeah. The team so, I think... Uh, yeah. You know, mentioned America and South Korea and now Senegal. So, three teams yeah. out of the eight in the quarterfinals that you yeah. wouldn't necessarily suspect. Would have been, yeah. I mean, I think, I think they were the first African team to reach the quarters and it was, yeah, South Korea were the first Asian team to reach the semis. So in terms of that, it was actually quite a, a, a groundbreaking World Cup. And to think as well that, like, this was also the first World Cup held outside of uh, Europe and the Americas um, and the first World Cup um, held over two countries so you know there there are a lot of things going for it in the in the sense that it was sort of a groundbreaking tournament in the way that it was set up yeah definitely was um look for me uh, yeah i don't i don't remember much of of 2002 for me 2006 was was my kind of introduction into football Look, I haven't really thought about which one I'm going to call my favourite or the best, but, gee, it is hard to go past 2006 for me. As an Australian as well, obviously, um, that sort of golden generation making the run um, into the round of 16 and obviously being knocked out by the eventual winners. But, you know, our first ever goal at a World Cup, that that 10 minutes against Japan. uh, That was unreal. That'll go down in history. And obviously yeah. the the two two game against Croatia as well, also another memorable game for us Australians. So yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll never forget Harry Kuehl's goal in that game. Yeah, just the and way the, he controlled that ball and just volleys it into the corner, or sort of yeah. a volley, yeah, into the corner. It's obviously you know in Australian football folklore that that tournament, but look, obviously yeah, you still had a lot of the stars from two thousand and two, uh, you know. That tournament had Zidane, had Ronaldinho, had had Ronaldo, um, the phenomenon, Figo, Closer, Shevchenko, Buffon, Perlo, but also a young Messi um, and, a, and a young Cristiano Ronaldo. So it was kind of this period of time where we had the legends of old and we had some of the um, great talent. Yeah, we also, if I remember correctly, Luka Modric, um, came on against Australia as a, gee, would have been about a 19-year-old back then. So, look, the amount of class players in that World Cup, I mean, just phenomenal. And, yeah, yeah sorry, Nick, you go there. You go, Mark, you go. Um, another thing that stands out for me, Zidane's performance against Brazil, that really comes to mind how he won the game, I think, for them. Um, just ran that midfield. And the other moment, that stands out was Italy-Germany semi-final. That's 
people have gone on record saying that's one of the best World Cup games that they've seen. Um, being a young child, I, I, don't, I don't really know if that's true. Um, Andrew, you're a, bit, a little bit older than me, so maybe you can speak on that. Um, but those two moments are the two that I've read a lot about, um, yeah, in the past. I remember as a kid, I, obviously the games are in the middle of the night here in Australia. And I remember waking up um, the, the morning after Brazil, France. And as a kid, I'd been taught to believe that, you know, Brazil are just this unbeatable team. And when I was told that, that France beat Brazil, I, I didn't believe that, I think it was a, a friend down at footy or something. I did not believe that um, Brazil had been beaten. And I, I, I seriously, the whole day, I was convinced that he was pulling my leg until I got home and, and realised, and it obviously probably wasn't until I've, I've actually gone back and watched the replays of those two games. FIFA TV have been kind of putting them out on, on YouTube at the moment. Um, and, and Zidane, I mean, that would have to be one of the best individual performances ever in, in any World Cup. He just, the way he dismantled a Brazilian side that were reigning World Cup champions, favourites to win the tournament. I mean, what a tournament from Zidane. Just a pity that it ended the way it did. Yeah, I, I haven't watched the game, but I've obviously seen highlights and, you know, from all reports, you know, the way he just controlled the game and, like you said, dismantled that Brazil team. Pretty special performance. You've also got um, Portugal-Netherlands, which is like the most, like, I think the most cards ever given out. I don't know if it's in an international game or just a World Cup game, but 16 yellows and four red cards is just, like... <laughs> Like, that's crazy. It would have been fun to watch, that's for sure. I think it was a pretty pretty dead game. Portugal won 1-0 um, and then went on to the next round, played England. There's the infamous um, Wayne Rooney being sent off. Look, uh, Ronaldo scoring that penalty and winking. Um, Another the, penalty shootout where England failed. <laughs> Missing you know, three of the four. Yeah. Um, Jens Lehmann, when he, um, against Argentina, wrote down all the, um, which way that each kicker was going to go on his, was it on his drink bottle or on a piece Yeah, I think it was on his drink bottle, if I remember correctly. And he and just he goes, stuck, he, yeah, sorry, he wrote it on a piece of paper and stuck it to his drink bottle, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. That's yeah. what a lot of keepers do now, I think, just a yeah. bit of sneaky tactics. But if, uh, if we're talking about a World Cup for iconic moments, I mean, we've just mentioned a few there. We've also got Miroslav Klose, um, who would eventually, eight year, oh, yeah, eight years later, go on to become the highest World Cup scorer of all time. He was the Golden Boot winner. But let's talk about the final. I mean, for me, I think that's probably the best World Cup final I've ever, I've, I've seen in my lifetime. Yeah, possibly. I went back and watched it maybe three weeks ago now. Um, it was a tactical battle more than anything. I thought Italy were probably the better team in the first half, but not by much. Um, and then the second half, France really pushed and Italy sort of sat back and just waited for the pressure to, you know, come, come on them. And um, Italians didn't consider goal from open play that tournament. And it sort of showed why they were so well drilled by Marcello Lippi. And they had great defenders like Cannavaro there and Matarazzi, who did score in the final and was involved in the Zidane headbutt, um, leading, leading the, back, the back four for Italy. Cannavaro, I mean, he, did he win? Uh, what did he win? Uh, I'm not sure if he won the silver ball. He was silver, yeah. Yeah. He, um, I remember watching him when I went back and watched Italy-Germany. Um, and, and how tall is he? He wouldn't be taller than... 5'9", I think. Um, like, maybe, maybe. Yeah. like you know absolutely dwarfed by everything else or everyone else on the pitch um but you know for him to put in a performance like that at the height he was um especially the strikers he was up against is is just you know yeah that it, it's incredible. Act and for them to only uh like you said concede one goal is is pretty amazing yeah Thierry yeah. Henry Zidane I mean the, the list goes on, really. I mean... Trezeguet came on, missed the penalty. Yeah. And he's... Yeah. I don't know if you guys recall, but he scored, I think, in the 2000 um, Euros to win the Euros in extra time for France yeah. against Italy. Yeah, he scored the golden goal. Yep. So, 
yeah, hero in one year and yeah, maybe villain in the other. Um, look for me when when I look back on that World Cup as a whole, just iconic moments, uh, iconic players as an Australian, um, the best World Cup the Socceroos have had. <sighs> Gee, it's, it's going to be it's, hard to top. Yeah, absolutely, and I think you know as well. That was the first World Cup I remember watching as a as a kid. So there's, I think there's nostalgic sort of um, significance from that. I, I think, I don't know whether we can say what we did about 2002 with the best team winning. I think the best two teams made the final. I felt like, you know, who, who'll ever know, but if Zidane doesn't get sent off, we're never going to know. Ball but. Different ball game if he's still on the pitch. Yep. The way yep. he played that World Cup. But, you know, we'll never know. Um, and I think it's one of the most iconic World Cup images is when he, he walks off. player at the tournament as well, wasn't he? Yeah, he won golden ball. Do you know who won um, young player? Only from my research, but Podolski. So that's when he broke onto the scene. Yeah, and I think he, he was great. Um, I remember Schweinsteiger had a fantastic game in the third place playoff. And look, I think you can look at that and you can kind of see the foundations being made for that 2014 World yeah. Cup where, where Germany won. Yeah, definitely. Like, that's when all those players seem to break onto the scene or in and around that time. Yeah. So, um, yeah, like you mentioned, Schweinsteiger, who went on to be an amazing midfielder for Bayern and Manchester United. And, yeah, so that was like laying the foundations for what was to come. Yeah. So, should we move on to 2010? Yeah, Yeah, let's talk about art. I enjoyed 2010. Uh, The Vuvuzelas are the first thing that spring to mind, that's for sure. Uh, yeah, great yeah. opening game. Shalaba, uh, fantastic and opening ceremony. What a celebration! Yeah, I think yeah. There's, there was something special about that World Cup being in Africa. I love the Shakira song. Yeah, Waka Waka goes down. Still on my playlist to this day. So, yeah, Waka absolutely. Waka. Um, look, it was it was probably the most. It felt like the most different World Cup. I think. Um, this century, I think there was a lot of things that 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 differed. Um, obviously, the fact it being in Africa, the Vuvuzelas, the temperature, the um, the Jabalani. Like, yeah, it floated. That four Absolutely. land seemed to master where to strike the ball. Like it was every free yeah. kick that he took, you just thought it was going to go in. I, that's that, one thing that sticks out. And like you mentioned, two thousand and six. Maybe for me, I'd only really started following football in two thousand and five. So. I remember some of 2006. Uh, obviously, my dad obviously uh, also attended that semi-final, that uh, Italy-Germany game. So, obviously, I was watching out a bit for that. But 2010 was where I, you know, I can really remember, and I have vivid memories of that of that World Cup. And um, yeah, that the Jabalani, you know, won't be forgotten. No, I mean Australia, we obviously got knocked out at the group stage. Didn't do very well, I think probably one of the most interesting tidbits from that tournament is New Zealand being the only team that um, didn't lose a game. That includes the, the champion Spain. Yeah, three draws in the group. Yeah. Spain, I think Spain lost to Switzerland in the group, if my memory serves me. Yeah, yeah they lost 1-0 to Switzerland. But New Zealand included in, that, in those draws was a 1-1 draw against Italy, which included Shane Smeltz scoring past Gianluigi Buffon. That is not a, a sentence that anyone thought would be um, written before that tournament. Yeah, you know, just a New Zealander scoring against one of the best keepers of all time. Yeah, Italy were knocked out. Um, they were knocked out at the group stage. Um, France, when France yeah. were knocked out at the group stage, so there were some upsets. Um, it was also the Portugal North Korea. Yeah, seven nil. and then you know in the North Korean papers they had, you know, that they'd won seven nil or whatever, whatever that was. Um, that was another. Although, we forget, a lot of people forget that North Korea played Brazil and only lost 2-1. Everyone just remembers the 7-0. But they played and they scored a goal against Brazil. Brazil were actually pretty average that tournament, to be fair. Yeah, they were. They didn't take, didn't take Ronaldinho. They didn't take any of their kind of older, older generation. They were knocked out by the Dutch in the, in the quarterfinals. 
Uh, gee, the Dutch team were great to watch that that year, weren't they? Yeah, yeah they were. Worked with fresh air. Um, they were really, yeah, I, I liked watching them that tournament, and I really wanted them to win the finals. To be honest. Um, how about talking about the Dutch? How about the Van Bronckhorst goal versus Uruguay? Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Like goal. one of my favourite goals. Yeah. Every goal in that game was just incredible. Um, I mean, I think every single goal that the that the Netherlands scored in that game was either off the post or off the crossbar. Yeah, that cannon! I remember that was unreal. Another talking uh, point, you know, mentioning Uruguay was the Uruguay Ghana game the round before, where you know uh, Suarez infamously handballed the ball on the line to save the goal, and then uh, they that, mate, ended up that, winning that, penalties. So. Yeah. That that really makes me angry. I, I remember watching. I'm a Liverpool supporter who who, you know, I don't mind Suarez. I like him. So yeah, I don't know. That that is a little you know black mark on his. Career. I remember I'm watching that other... live, and I just and, and seeing the way that he celebrated when Asamoah Jan scored that penalty, and he hadn't gone missed, down missed the tunnel. It. Missed the missed penalty. it. Missed the penalty. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, sorry, sorry. yeah. And, he hit, uh, and you just see Suarez who hasn't gone to the change rooms as he supposed I just was so yeah. and I thought Garnet I mean they got robbed they were they had some great players Asmoa Jan Sully Montari the IU's yeah but oh, gee that, that that really yeah it's not the only notable thing he did in the World Cup and we can talk about that when we move on to 2014 in a minute um, so yeah, I'm not a huge fan of Suarez that's for sure but a few other notable moments or games um I think England, uh, England had a pretty controversial tournament. Yeah, well, I was, I was just going to actually touch on France. I know we said that they got knocked out before, but they finished bottom of their group. Mm. Yeah, that's what I, I mentioned that again, that they'd finished bottom. Same as in um, 2002. So whenever France do well in a World Cup, they never back it up, which would mean in 2022... Yeah, I was about to say. They're not going to do very well, but... I'd, I don't see that happening, to be honest. Well, I don't think anyone saw anything happening. In 2010, that was the year that um, that Patrice Evra had a big fight with um, Raymond Dominic. So that, there seems to be some some issues with France. But but England, uh, it, I mean, who can forget Rob Green letting that absolute P-roller <laughs> trickle the legs? Yeah. I mean, like... Against the USA, for people that don't know what we're talking about. He, he let a absolute, like, a dolly... Yeah. As you would say, just straight through his legs. He was dropped. David James came yeah, in. Yeah, David James, yeah. And I think probably the, the most controversial moment in... Oh, I can't... In however long. Probably since Maradona's hand of God was Lampard's... Lampard's goal that was not a goal. The ghost goal. The ghost goal. Yeah. I had a few moments like that at the World Cup. But yeah, that, that really stood out, didn't it? I think what stood out about that is just how obvious it was. It, it wasn't a it wasn't a goal that was just over the line. It was so clearly over the line to the point where everyone was just celebrating. Pivotal point of the match as well. Yeah, they were up. Well, they, Germany had been up two 0 and absolutely dominating. Uh, Matthew Upson scores two one just before half time. Lampard with just this incredible hit. Um, and, and as we all know, Germany went on to win 4-1. 4-1, yeah. One of those, games. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and I believe Frank Lampard never, ever scored a World Cup goal. Um, so, I mean, remember Gerard, Gerard um, in this weird kind of succession of, of English coaches shafting players out to the left, um, Gerard... Gerard was the victim in that sense. He was shafted out to the left to play against Germany, um, which completely opened up that flank for them. And, yeah, I think England really only have themselves to blame when it comes to those, those games. Um, who, is your, who are your favourite players from that tournament? For me, um, Diego Forlan was incredible. Yeah. Um, obviously, them getting knocked out in the, in the semi-final, I believe, to the Netherlands. But... Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Like I like I mentioned earlier, um, with the Jabalani, it's like when he got when he had a free kick, he just thought it was going to go in, and you could even like the commentators were even like worried for the for the opposition and their goal. Yeah. You just thought 
this is going in. Um, another one who was really good from the Netherlands actually was Wesley Schneider. He had an amazing yeah. tournament too. Yeah. So those two stand out for me personally. What about we've you? Got to talk about, well, I mean, we've got to talk about Spain. Yeah, um, I, I was actually going to touch on that. David Villa really stood out for me. Uh, I think 2010 was like when I really started to get into football. Um, before that, I was watching it, but 2010, I was becoming borderline obsessive over it. Um, and that Spain team was full of Barcelona players. Uh, they had a few Real Madrid players, as in Casillas in goals, and he was their captain. Um, yeah. But it was full of Barcelona players, and the way they played that World Cup was so good to watch. Um, they dominated play, um, they opened up opposition, and they had that period from 08 to, to 12 where they were just so enjoyable to watch, and they're just so fluid um, moving forward. But it makes sense. I mean, Barca won the Champions League 2009, 2011. So, you know, with a midfield of Xavi, Iniesta, Busquets, I mean, I, I believe the only Real players... Casillas. Final, Casillas, Ramos, and, and Xabi Alonso, if my memory... Did they play Arbeloa? I can't remember. Um, oh, no. No, they played Captivia at left That's back. That's right. You're right there. Yeah. They played Captivia at left back. I remember Jesus Navas actually coming on and changing that final. Um, he, he came on and really changed the game. But that final was pretty... Um, it was not beautiful football. Um, the Dutch... Yeah, but um, that fly kick from was it Nigel De Jong? I love oh. Nigel De Jong as a player, but how he stayed on the pitch of that, I have no idea. Howard Webb, what are you watching? Well, Howard Webb did admit later on that he did make a mistake, but um, the Netherlands had their chances to win, and the most iconic one is is Schneider playing that wonderful through ball to Iron Robin, one on one with the keeper. Casillas committed himself. Uh, and, and saved with the boot. Yeah, throughout his right leg. Yeah. Uh, that's a pretty iconic moment for me in World yep. Cup history. Just maybe not the best save ever. It is a very good save, don't get me wrong. But in, in that moment, it, yeah. in that moment, unreal. Yeah. yeah. The importance uh, of the save more than anything. Yeah. Uh, and, and in Yester, um, with one of his most iconic performances, I think, you know, that, that kind of goals for me, cements him as, as one of the, one of the you know, all-time great players of, of his generation. Um, yeah. that, that goal and just, just the celebrations that, that followed afterwards and, and what happened to the Spanish national team after that. Um, yeah. Just... You've you got to remember as well, sorry to cut you off, but the Dutch were down to 10 men when Iniesta scored. I think it was Johnny Hartinger got yeah, sent Hartinger. off. Yeah, he got a second yellow. That was probably 100 and... Ninth minute, 109th. Oh, close. Yeah. Yeah. So it's funny, you know, red cards do change games. A bit like, bit like the Zidane red card happened late in the game, but yeah, you know. Yeah, it's just an interesting fact. No one talks about, everyone just talks about the Iniesta goal, but the Dutch were down yep. to 10 at that stage. Yep. So look, I don't know. How, how do you look back on 2010? For me, pretty iconic in the sense that it was something that we'd never experienced before a world cup in Africa. Um, we had some, uh, as we, we, we've waxed lyrical about Diego Forlan and David Villa, um, some great players. Look for me, I, I loved, I loved 2010. I thought it was, I thought it was, was pretty special. Um, I don't know what you guys kind of, where you value that at. One of my favorites for sure, just because it was when I was getting to football, as I said, um, a lot. I watched a lot of football that tournament. Um, I think Dad allowed me to get out of bed, you know, odd hours of the day um, to watch it. And um, for that reason, I think that's when I fell in love with the game even more. And that's why I'll always treasure 2010. Yeah. 2014. Um, Nick, obviously, that we're kind of getting into the, the era where we're we're older and we kind of appreciated the game more. What, what, were your, what are your memories of 2014? Um, definitely one of the games that sticks out for me, like really early on in the tournament, was that, that Spain-Netherlands, the dem demolition, the 5-1. Um, like, you just didn't see it coming, obviously. Um, Spain having won the, three, the previous three major tournaments, 
Um, their team hadn't changed dramatically, but yeah, I, that 5-1 just really sticks out to me. And obviously, uh, being Australians, that Tim Cahill volley, which will go down in history, and the emergence of James Rodriguez, because he was just incredible that tournament. I think uh, Colombia played Greece um, in their first game of the uh, group stage, and obviously being Greek, had high hopes, and that was like, you know, James had just broken onto the scene that game, and he was incredible, and that just sort of started the run for him that tournament. His goal against um, Brazil oh, was it the no? Was that the volley? You against Uruguay? I, Uruguay. I remember that goal because for those that are listening, I, I was lucky enough to go to the twenty fourteen World Cup, and I was sitting at the restaurant with my dad and my friend and his dad, and I'm sitting down, I'm cutting my steak, right. And all of a sudden I look up and everyone's screaming in this restaurant. I'm like, what have I just missed? And I see the replay of Hummus's goal where he volleys it, turns around and just like smacks it in. I'm like, I can't believe I was not watching it at that moment. I was watching like every minute of football in that World Cup. And I missed that moment because I was eating the steak. Well, there you go. I, uh, I watched it from, from, my, from my TV in Australia. I, the other iconic goal is... Um, that, that last-minute Messi winner against Iran, um, you know, nil-nil, uh, 91st minute. He also scored an absolute cracker against Nigeria. Nigeria, yeah. yeah. Um, he was that, just... That Iran goal, you know. Oh. When, there's a, when you need someone to step up, it was yeah. always going to be Messi, but, like, to score from 23, and, 25 yeah. yards out, curl it around in, in South America... And not even in South America, in Rio, the yeah. biggest yeah. biggest city of Brazil. Imagine the Argentine fans as soon as he scored that goal on the streets, on the Copacabana beach. Imagine, imagine all the Brazilian fans and all the Argentine fans clashing outside because of that. Yeah. It would have just absolutely erupted. Um, I, I also remember Costa Rica, um, one of the great underdog stories. Um, yeah, they beat by Greece in the round of 16. Yeah. Yeah. On Kaylor Navas with, you know, announced himself. Um, and then he got a move to Real Madrid off the back of that. And I guess the rest is history for, for him and Real. But, but Costa Rica, they got out of the group with Uruguay, England. Italy. And Italy, yeah. Because, because this is why, all right? Costa Rica were very good, right? And they topped the group, and that's credit to them. Uruguay went through because Suarez bit Chiellini, right? Didn't get sent off, right? Scored a goal. No, he took the corner, and I think it was Godin that scored in the 81st minute, and they went through because of that. Um, So that's two World Cups in a row that Suarez has done something, you know, that's not been right. I don't think you can blame him that much for 2010. Like, I think if I was in that... If I was in that moment, literally, like, if I don't do this, my team gets out of the World Cup, I'll do it as well. But 2014 is a different story. Like, you just don't... Yeah, go I don't yeah, think you justify the bias. 2010, no. I think if you put your hatred of Suarez aside, it's the World Cup that comes around once every four years. And if you don't do this, you're out. But yeah, I, think I mean... Yeah, I agree with that. Asimo Jan should have just scored the penalty, but, yeah. you know. Yeah. Easier said than done. Um, talking about penalties, 2014, Brazil beat Chile on penalties. Um, yeah. Pinella, I think, missed the crucial penalty for Chile and then, strangely enough, got it tattooed on him, um, which yeah. I do not understand to this very day. Yeah, me either. I also remember um, Louis van Gaal subbing on Tim Krul against... Was that against Costa Rica? I think that was against Costa Rica. It was, yeah. Yeah. Um, and him coming on and because I, I remember because I remember uh, Socceroos we had a penalty against the Netherlands um, which Mille Jednak scored and I remember the commentator saying at the time that Jasper Sillison had never saved a penalty at professional level so obviously the choice wasn't too hard um, and Tim Krul became a national hero yeah not to mention it's kind of the tournament of goalkeepers Tim Howard breaking the world record for uh, most amount of saves in an international match? Yeah, 16 against Belgium. And they still lost. Yeah, 2-1, I think, after extra time. Yep, yeah, it was 2-1 after after extra. David Luiz's free kick, I mean, who can forget yeah, against that? Against Colombia. I was about to mention that, yeah. The, the another, another goal I missed because I went to the bathroom at the wrong time. 
That was um, true to side, Mister. I remember after that game. Uh, I remember the exchange between David Louise and and Hummes. He was Hummes was obviously extremely heartbroken. I remember you know David Louise pointing to him, saying like to congratulate him for the yeah. tournament because he was still only really young. I'm, I don't know yeah. how old he was, but he must have been twenty three, maybe. Yeah, I think around about that age anyway. Yeah. So He's about remember, thirty now. And he, I'm pretty sure Hummes won the Golden Boot that tournament with six goals. Yeah. We touched on penalties before. I think this World Cup, there was something about set pieces and penalties that was a little bit different. Um, In Greece's group, Greece versus, um, who was it again? Sorry, Nick. Where Samaras went down very easily. Japan? Ivory Coast. Ivory Coast, that's right. He went down very easily. Well, pretty much a dive. And um, like, I just think he tripped up on his feet and he didn't. Yeah. Feel anyway, he scored that, and I think it was a bit of karma for Grace when, and I won't forget this. Costa Rica obviously were lead in. Socrates scores in the ninety-first minute or whatever it is. Grace have a mountain of chances in extra time, but Navas, as you said, Twig was incredible um, yeah. throughout that tournament, and that goes to penalties, and Costa Rica win on penalties there. Yeah, I and Robin also with a pretty famous dive yeah, against, Mexico. against Mexico and Hunter last score in the goal. I cannot believe that. Um, now, I, I could be wrong on this stat. It's, it's either eight or nine, but Mexico have been knocked out in the round of 16 in the last, I think it's about eight World Cups. They just, they, they always get out of their group and they cannot make it past the yeah, round of 16. the knockout phase, they just seem to. Yeah. They probably yeah. just always draw really good teams or they just can't seem to put it together on the park. I think the issue is they always, yeah, they always finish second in their group. So they're always matched up with the winner of another group. And the, I don't think Mexico have ever really had a, a sort of a superstar. They did have um, Chicharito who had a great world cup in 2010. Yeah. Um, Rafael Marquez, obviously I think he's definitely worth a mention talking about the best world cup of the 21st century. Plat uh, is, the only player to play in every World Cup of the 21st century. Yeah. Um, not to mention, he was the captain in every single tournament. So he was captain from 2002 to 2018, which I, for That's me... unreal. Yeah. I think, I think we should touch on Germany, obviously, as the winners. Um, yeah. Before we do that, though, um, Di Maria scored a winner against uh, Switzerland in the 118th minute, right? To yeah. get... Uh, Argentina through to the next round and this is where we will move on to Germany they played Algeria and Algeria pushed them a long way they went yeah. to extra time, I think it was 0-0 after 90 minutes yeah. and then Germany scored two goals and Algeria got one back but I remember Algeria being very good that game and they had yeah. a lot of chances and could have knocked Germany out Yep, yep um, but I think as is always with the Germans, they learned from that um, and is there a more iconic game than, than that 7-1? I mean... Definitely not. That's just, like, that's just ruthlessness personified, really. I remember I was... Um, I missed my alarm and I woke up. I think I woke up in about the 40th minute or something and my cousin was like, have a guess at what the score is. I'm like, oh, maybe 1-1. And he, I'm pretty sure he said... I think it was 5-0 at that stage. Yeah. And Crazy. I was like, you're kidding me. Obviously, who was missing that tournament? Did... Thiago Silva? Thiago Silva. Not that tournament. Yeah, that so match. And Neymar. Neymar. Thiago yeah. Silva and Neymar. Their heads were in the wrong place, holding up Neymar's jersey before the game. What are you doing? And, and David Luiz had one of the all-time worst Best games. performances. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Have I, you I, been I, the same I, since? Genuine question. No, probably not. not. No. I mean, he's always been a pretty temperamental centre-back. I mean, I remember watching that game live. And it was one of those games where you genuinely have to, you genuinely are not sure what you're watching. You're, you're looking, I mean, it was probably 4.30 in the morning here. Um, and I, when that fifth goal went in, I vividly remember, it, it was like a, a sweaty goal off FIFA. They pretty much, the three of them took it up. Yeah. Danced around the keeper. Um, I think it was Sammy Kadira that, that scored. Yeah. Um, oh, like... I've never seen anything like it, and, and I don't think anyone. I don't think we're going to see anything like that again. Yeah, and you've got to feel sorry for the Brazilian fans watching yep. that happen in their own backyard. I, I won't forget the images. Yeah. Um, where the cameraman will pan to the TV and just show 
everyone just crying the whole yeah. time. Yeah. And, and, and yeah, then, I wanted Brazil to win that tournament because it was in Brazil. Yeah. But I think it wasn't, wasn't meant to be. Are very passionate and, you know, they wear their heart on the sleeve. Um, so, yeah, it was obviously pretty disappointing for them. And like you said, you, you could see all the Brazilian fans literally bawling their eyes out in the crowd. So, yeah, not a memorable game for them, but will go down in history as one of the most memorable games in the world. And, the, and then the final, I guess. I mean, what I remember, I remember Higuain missing an absolute sitter from a, yeah. from a, cruise, a mistimed um, back pass from his head off, off Tony Cruz. And then I do remember him scoring and it being offside. And he celebrated for about a minute and didn't realise. Yeah. Sums up Higuain in Argentinian jersey. Yep. And, yeah, it just felt like the one that got away. I mean, I think Germany were the better team all, all around. But, you know, they did hold them to nil-nil until probably, what, the 110th minute? Um, yeah, it was something like that. 113th minute, Mario Goethe. Yeah. Followed so, by Scherler on the left and yeah. chest yep. it down, beats Romero at the new post. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I think looking back on it, you feel sorry for Messi. I mean, he did have his chances, but Messi, that tournament was just... Yeah, he was unreal, but they were unfortunate, I think, Argentina. Di Maria got injured throughout the tournament. Yeah. Aguero was injured at some point. They were always missing that one key component in the team. If that makes sense. Yeah, but they're also missing players down back. They had Mascherano, but... I he mean, was playing defensive midfield. They played yeah. Garay and maybe Di Michelis, I can't remember now. Zabaleta yeah. was right back and left back was Marcus Rojo, which earned him a move to Manchester United. And then they had the three of Mascherano, maybe Bilia and... Levetsi? Perez. He might have... Oh, I can't remember. I can't remember the whole team now, but... I felt like they were a little bit short-changed in terms of the injuries. I know it's not a really excuse. But that was Messi's chance. Yeah, I think that was Messi's chance as well. And I was, watching a, I was actually watching a documentary throughout the week about, you know, the, the Messi versus Maradona debate. And Brazilians, I mean, sorry, not Brazilians, Argentinians seem to think that, you know, Messi, if he's not going to do anything for the national team, which he's done plenty, obviously, he just hasn't won the World yeah. Cup. Yeah. And there's, there's no comparison in their eyes, but... I mean, that's Messi's chance, and I don't think he's got the team around him anymore to do any damage. 2022, he'll be 34th, maybe. Yeah. He's just not going to win it. Yeah. I think, they're a, I think they're a decent shout at the Copper America next year. Um, yeah, Brazil look pretty strong. They do, but it is in Argentina, and, you know, yeah. I, I think that's, you know, going to be his crack, but... Yeah. If, saying that, if it goes ahead, but... Um, we won't talk about that now because we don't have time for it. No. Um, and then I guess that brings us up to 2018. Um, for me personally, as you mentioned before with 2014, um, I was lucky enough to go in 2018. And I think that inherently means I just sort of fell in love with the tournament. Um, Michael, I know you were also there for the um, back end of the tournament, but what a, what a country to host. Um, you know, some, some memorable games. For me, ugh, one of my favourites. Yeah, they had some memorable games. As you said, Twig, um, Spain-Portugal to start off the tournament. Ronaldo with a yeah. hat-trick and the free well, kick like the, the second end. day, yeah. Yeah. Crazy. 2-1 um, Argentina-Nigeria with a scraped out of the group stage, Argentina. Yeah. Um, there was heaps more and we can touch on those as we go. Uh, but definitely was a memorable tournament. And I think Russia played a, a huge part to that. Um, the Russians there were, were so nice. And, um, yeah, it was just a great tournament for the fans. And their national team getting through the quarterfinals. Yes. Um, obviously helps that. Um, that game against Croatia was crazy. I mean, they, that, I remember that goal from, from Cheryshev. I think that was probably my favourite goal of the tournament. Uh, I still vividly remember Peter Drury absolutely losing his mind. Um, as per normal with Peter, but yeah. Uh, yeah, as per normal. But, um, I mean, Croatia, everyone fell in love with Croatia that tournament. I mean, that that goal Luka Modric scored against Argentina, um, you know, I'll go on the record saying I'm a big, big fan of Luka Modric. And I think 
you know, whilst I will also say on record that I don't think he did deserve the Ballon d'Or, I think this tournament was, I think it was necessary in, in for people to realise, I guess, how good of a player he actually has been for the last, you know, 10 years. Yeah, that match was crazy. Um, I'm pretty sure Croatia won 3-0 and it got to the point where that, that last goal, they were walking the ball into the net. Um, yeah. It, you know, the, the defenders for Argentina was... Uh, yeah. But, um, yeah, Croatia were, you know, a breath of fresh air, that tournament. And like Michael touched on, that Spain-Portugal game, that, you know, Ronaldo free kick, 88th, 89th minute, just just when, you know, just proved himself even more. And then obviously scoring the header against Iran, I believe, in the next game. So to yep. score four goals in the first two games. I don't think he went on to score after that. But, um, yeah, just proved himself on the big stage again. Yeah, another one to touch on, um, France-Argentina. What a game that was. Um, No one had any hope for Argentina going into that. Um, They were talking about sacking their coach midway through a tournament. Um, France, obviously, ended up winners 4-3. And the memorable moment of that game was the Pavard goal. Yeah. I actually remember the Mbappe run from that one. I remember him picking that up on halfway and and earning the penalty. To win the penalty. Yeah, I think that was the moment I was like, this, this guy is going to be so this good. This guy is scary, yeah. Um, I reckon my, I don't know, I think one of the most sort of memorable groups from that tournament um, was, was Germany's. Um, that game against Sweden, I mean, it's remembered for Tony Cruz, but as Melbourne Victory fans, uh, that goal from Ola Toivonen, I, I could watch that all day. Death touch, beautiful lob over the keeper, and and then I guess that that South Korea game just incredible. I yeah, mean, who expected that? I don't think anyone did, and and it's just this recurring theme of world champions crashing out at the next tournament. It just it doesn't make sense, but it just keeps happening. I think that maybe the well, I think in Germany's defence that was sort of like the end of their, their golden era. You know, I don't even know if Lahm and Schweinsteiger played at that tournament. I doubt they did. I think Lahm did. I think Lahm would have, but I don't think Schweinsteiger would In 2018? Yeah. No. Kimmich. Yeah. Yeah, true. No. You know what no. I mean? Like it was the end of their golden generation. They have a few emerging players, like you mentioned, Joshua Kimmich, but that was sort of the end of their thing. And obviously the pressure of being the previous world champions, that always has to be taken into consideration as well. Yeah, for sure. I think, obviously, Germany were in the decline that tournament. A team on the up were Belgium. Um, people had a lot of expectations for them. Um, the game that springs to mind, one of my favourite games of the tournament, actually, was Belgium-Japan. The yeah. 3-2. Japan going 2-0 up, being an Asian country, was, you know, so impressive. Well, here goes Japan. They're going to go through to the next stage yeah. of the World Cup. And all of a sudden, I think Belgium literally flicked a switch and they just turned it on. I remember the goal at the end. It was just a counter-attack. Japan were on the front foot trying to get the winner. And uh, yeah. Three pretty out. unlikely goal scorers. Um, yeah. For Tongan, uh, Fellaini and Chadley, if my yes. memory serves. Chadley was the last one and that's what springs to my mind. So the ball was played to the right and um, it was cut, cutbacks inside the box and Lukaku dummied it and Chadley yeah. scored and Belgium won like that, and but well, but that was on the game. Back of Germ, um, Japan pushing almost everyone forward for that last corner. At yeah, that's right. Which, yeah, which in hindsight may be a mistake, but you know, uh, I think a lot of credit needs to go to Japan for that, um, and also memorably um, making it through the group stage on fair play. Do you remember that with Senegal being knocked out yeah. for having yeah. won the yellow card? Yeah, I do remember that actually. Pretty crazy to. Think that you'd be knocked out of a World Cup because of yellow card count. <laughs> How angry would you be? Seriously. Yeah. And that, was... that that sums up Japan, doesn't it? Well, do you remember they kicked the ball around for like 10 minutes against Poland? Because Poland had already been knocked out. And the result um, had Japan going through. And they just, they kicked it around for 10 minutes. They didn't, there was no pressure. Yeah. 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 Which is a bit disappointing, but I guess... You know, World Cup calls for some serious kind of things. You do what you can to win, that's for sure. For me, I remember when I was there, 
um, just, you know, some incredible games. The, the semi-finals, um, obviously, Croatia-England was, was an incredible game. Um, Michael and I had the privilege of being there. Um, for me, I would have said up until the final, that was my favourite World Cup. But for me personally, I don't know what you guys think, for me, that final was a real letdown. And it was I think boring. It was typical. It was boring. Typical was France playing football. boring. Yeah, it was that that awful refereeing decision um, to give the penalty. Um, had the and we had VAR. Yeah, so the VAR ruined it. I thought the referee giving a penalty after that deflection, then hitting Perisic's arm from close range, and then um, I mean the first goal was an own goal. Hugo Lloris making a really just dumb uh, error, and on the in the biggest game in the world, uh, you know, four two. I thought the defending was pretty average on both sides. For me, that was the worst World Cup final of the twenty first century. Yeah. Uh, to be fair, Griezmann came out during the World Cup and said, "I don't care how we play football." As long as we get another badge on the jersey, and yeah, everyone should everyone should have that mentality. I was about to say, I don't think France care if they're entertaining the fans or not. I don't but, think France cared, but obviously, as yeah, I mean, obviously, at like as fans, we want you know. For me, that's not as exciting as the way that Brazil played in two thousand and two. No. Yeah, but, and let me ask you guys a question: Would you rather watch Australia play? attacking football on the front foot and try to win games and get knocked out in the round of 16 or play well, defensive was, yeah. and play defensive defensive football and get knocked out in the quarterfinals? What would you prefer? I don't know. It's all about the results. So I'd cop the defensive football and quarterfinal or whatever makes you go the furthest in the tournament. This tournament comes around once every four years and... I don't think the, you know, like, I don't think the French fans are complaining. Obviously. Yeah, no, me neither. But they had the team to get yeah. on the front foot. They, they could have demolished teams. But if they yeah. did that, they mightn't have won. And, you know, it ended up working. So I don't think you're complaining. Well, that's my personal opinion. No, but, but I, I know a few French people that said, yeah, we won it. But it was kind of boring to watch. Well, they're just ungrateful. Yeah, yeah I, possibly. I but complain if I won, but. Yeah, like yeah. that's that's a silly in my opinion. Just you know, I'm I'm just making an argument. I'm not saying there's a, a yeah. right or wrong. Um, it's just what France did, and yeah, they won it that way. So, all right. So we talked about the five World Cups. Wait, one thing we just have to yeah. Mention, uh, Harry Kane's tournament had a very good tournament, and it was you know where Mbappe really announced himself as you know the next big thing. Um, yeah. And that Spain-Russia game, that also really... Um, yeah. The Coke penalty. missed a penalty and Russia went through. Yeah. Aspas, don't forget Aspas. Yeah, Aspas as well, but I thought Coke was a more important one. Um, yeah. So, all right, let's... Uh, I think we should try and rank them. I, yep. I, I don't know if we should do this. We each do our own or we try and do it together. I think we should try and do it together just because it's going to make, make it more interesting. All right, so... Number five, what are you guys thinking? I think, don't we have to start from the top? It only makes sense to start from the top. Yeah, as in, like, um, worst to best. Or you think the other way around. Yeah, we've got to go best to worst. So, look, I'm going to say, for me, 2006 is going to be number one. But we need a consensus. I'm going to say 10, but closely followed by six. So I'd sort of be happy... Um, if 06 was number one. I'm going to go 06 purely because mentions, uh, the reasons we mentioned previously, you know, Australia, yeah. um, the first World Cup, being in Germany too, and I'm, I just wish I was 10 years older and I could have attended, to be honest, because yeah. it would have been an amazing World Cup to go to. Uh, yeah, I, I wish I was there, especially being half Italian. That would have been incredible. But um, are we happy to put 06 yeah. at number one? Yeah. Yep, okay. So you're going 10? I wouldn't say 10 now, just because that's what I said is my And what's your other option? 14, maybe? Yeah. Uh, I would be leaning towards 14. 
What are you thinking, Nick? 14 and 18. Okay, so we're, we're sort of looking at 14. 10 oh, sort of yep. out of the picture. Yeah, so we'll go 06, then 14. I think, yeah. Third, yeah. I, I'm now willing to bring in 2010. I think um, yeah. whilst I don't think it was in the best two, I think there was a lot of lot to love about. Um, so you're really but, dropping 2018 from first to fourth because of the final? I guess when you put it like, yeah, I guess when you put it like that. But think, think about the notable moments in games and uh, notable games in general. I think 06 had a lot of iconic moments such as Zidane Hedbart, Matarazzi goal, um, Germany, Italy semi-final. I think there was a lot in 2006 to put it number one. And then 14, the 7-1, Harmonsen's goal, the penalties, Van Persie's header, Kay Hill's volley. I think there's a lot of iconic moments in each World Cup, but I think there's more in those two straight away. Yeah, I mean, I think VAR probably detracts a bit for 2018 as well for me. And um, also the fact that Ange wasn't there to take charge for me. For Australia, yeah. yeah. I don't know. I, I'm happy to go 10 or 18 for, for number three. Uh, I would really like to put 10. I'd love, like, love more than that to put 18. Because I don't know what it is. But I, I went to 18 and I'm saying 10 before 18. I didn't, I didn't enjoy 2010 at all. I hate Because it. Spain won it? Because I really enjoyed oh, I really, Spain's football. I don't know. It's just a weird, weird atmosphere, weird thing. Australia did poorly. Greece did poorly. There was just, for me, uh, there was, no, yeah. there was no, nothing good about it. And I was still relatively young. But that's just my, my opinion. I don't know. I need to make an executive call. Uh, I'm going 2010 because Dune's talking about why he loves it as opposed to you being like why you don't like it. So we, we, we will reward positive thinking. Thanks, Twig. That I means 2018 is number four. Which means 2002 is number five, which I think is quite stiff. But Yeah, it is stiff, but I think it's personally down to us being young and not watching it. Yeah. For me, yeah. For me personally. And the controversy, I think, really yeah. knocks it down. But at, I don't know. At the same time, yeah. I'm still yeah. proud about 2018. First World Cup you've attended and you've put it in the second worst. I, I think like, you, you have to approach it from more than just whether yeah, we attended. Yeah. I think the final has a big weighting on it. And for me, the final was awful. Um, and the VAR. Yeah, but look. Either. Yeah. I don't know. Look. We're, okay. Here's, here's, we're we're going to wrap it up in a sec. But here's one hypothetical question. Where do you think 2022 is going to rate? Last. In between five and four for me. Last. Why do you say last? It's corrupt. This this tournament is corrupt. Yeah, but twenty twenty two. Yeah, but it's gonna be in the back of everyone's it it's gonna be back of everyone's mind that people in Qatar have been dying building these stadiums. It's gonna be in a city that's you know, um never that is, doesn't exist. It's gonna be in November. It's it should be in June. It's making me really angry that twenty twenty two is gonna be in November in Qatar. Relax, mate. You'd rather you'd rather go when you'd rather rather go when it's forty degrees, would you? No, what I'm saying is it shouldn't be Qatar in general. You would rather go. You can go to the whole tournament in November. Everything's done, and like yeah, uh, Yeah, okay, merit no travel time. Previous episode uh, with Daniel Garb mentioned that you can go to two, three games a day. All well and good, but what's there to do other than go to the games there? And I'm I'm not being disrespectful to Qatar. It's a genuine question. Well, maybe you need to look onto the into Lonely Planet Qatar. Yeah, possibly. But imagine if Australia had twenty twenty two. Well, yeah, yeah. I wish, but yeah, who knows? Who knows what could have been? I, but I can never say I'm not looking forward to World Cup. I just think before the World Cup's even started, the shine's been taken off it. Yeah, I think we can agree on that. But yeah, who knows? We could be very surprised. Anyway, I think that just about wraps up episode six. I hope you've enjoyed uh, listening to us talk about the World Cups. We'd love to know um, on Instagram what what your favourite World Cup's been. Uh, If you agree with what we've said, if you disagree. Um, But, yeah, I mean, look, I think even, you know, it's a bit like a pizza. Even a bad World Cup is still fantastic. So, you know, I think I'm excited for 2022. And even though we've called 2002 the worst, I think, you know, 
there's still some amazing things. So, you know, Every nothing special. Absolutely. I think we can, we can all agree on that. All righty. Well, thanks for the chat today, boys. Thank you. Um, Michael, any, any final comments from you? No, nah, I just want football to return normally so we can enjoy it. Um, yeah. Like normal, yeah. basically. I just want to go back and watch a game. Yeah. Yeah, me too. All righty. Anything from you, Nico? No, nah, just disappointed in you, mate, but... <laughs> do you wanted the 2018 call? <laughs> well, well, let's do it. We'll put a poll on Instagram, 2010 or 2018. Well, uh, Nick, if, if you were there, all right, if you were there, I would have said, all right, let's give 2018 spot number three. But you weren't, so you can't comment on it. Voting about it all over Instagram and Facebook, about 600 posts, so it couldn't have been that bad. Oh, it was very good. Personally, it was good. Yeah. yeah. There's oh. a difference. We're being objective. We're talking anyway. about the football side of things. Anyway. We could go for hours and hours and hours. Uh, we just love talking footy. So uh, we're going to wrap it up from there. Hope you're all doing well in isolation. And that's been episode six of The Football Story. <laughs>